Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast. Hi, John. Hi, John. How are you? I'm Today, great. we are going to talk about the differences between a co-op and a condo. What is a co-op? What is a condo? The differences, the main differences between them. How do you choose between uh, one or the other? And the different, you know, a few of the nuances and such between them. They started these cooperatives, housing corporations, probably even the later 60s, 70s, and 80s, where they collectively came together to form a corporation. They set up with a board. They formally declared the cooperative. And the ownership is taken as one would buy into a, a regular corporation. The owners actually have leasehold interests in the cooperative that serves as their form of ownership. And each of the owners in the building come together to comprise the corporation, the housing co-op. If one is considering buying in a cooperative, you are at the dictate of the co-op. That means that cooperatives can be rather restrictive. It's like, mm -hmm. we will say in broker language, it's like purchasing in a country club. A housing cooperative will want to make sure that you're financially qualified. So a full financial statement with verification of assets, personal and professional, as well as employment verification. Reference letters, pro forma information, two years, more than likely two years of your completed tax work. And so they really want to know who is buying in this corporation. And that works well, even though it's a little bit more intrusive for the buyer, it works well for the cooperative because the cooperative takes pride in knowing who their owners are. What's a condominium? So a condominium is going to have its own block and lot number. You pay your own individual taxes, whereas in the co-op, everything comes in the form of the maintenance and it's broken down on a per share basis. So in the condo, you have common charges. They're still governed by a board of managers to run the building, to pay the staff, to dictate what they're going to be working on next, capital improvements, et cetera. But you have full flexibility in a condominium when it comes to how you can take ownership. So an entity can purchase, an LLC, a trust. You can take it in your personal name, obviously, as well. There hasn't been a uh, a co-op really developed over the past 30 years. You know, pretty much everything's a condominium. The exception is the land lease building, where it's structured as a co-op, but run, ran by condominium bylaws, which we refer to as a condop. It's a hybrid, a whole nother story. The condo really allows for full flexibility, both in the transfer of ownership. So again, any entity can purchase in a condo versus the co-op that's going to require the you purchasing in your personal name, as well as the ability to sublet it unlimited from day one, equates to about a at least a 15 to 20% difference on a price per square foot. So next, we want to talk about the key differences between co-ops and condominiums. So the first being of the type of ownership. The condo is deeded property. You own the property. And in a cooperative, you own a leasehold interest. You own shares in a corporation. Right. So different form of Right. And what of comes with that with those shares is a proprietary, proprietary lease, lease, which dictates. So your your technical title is a tenant shareholder, not an owner. But in Manhattan, for all intents and purposes, you own the real you own yeah. the apartment. So the next thing that we see is uh, because co-ops have this ultimate right to refuse anybody to purchase, they do limit certain profiles of buyers that uh, they may not want, such as pied-à-terre buyers, so secondary users. They want people that are going to be primary users. They're going to be in the apartment. They're going to be in the building because mm -hmm. who's going to take the best care of the building is going to be people that are living there day to day. And then you don't have, in a condominium, you have investors that may buy, so completely absent landlords. You have people buying for their children. You have uh, primary users, of course. And what's an interesting point around the, the primary users 
users is even in most of the condos out there, you're still seeing like 70% primary users, you know? So it's not like sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to be in a condo because I don't want to feel like a rental building. Ultimately, and I think it leads to the cost of these apartments, the entry level, even in a condominium, and especially in a condominium being higher than the Mm -hmm. co-op price-wise, is a lot of times it's still primary users because you're talking about a very expensive asset sitting there. In most of the condos out there, you don't have an issue where there's only, you know, 40 or 50 percent owner occupancy. And so that would be on the side of the co-ops. The co-ops will be a much stricter in terms of the form of ownership and then also the interview process. So yeah. they're going to want to interview each and every purchaser buying in their housing corporation yeah. versus in a condominium, there's no interview process. There's a there's an application process, but then the waiver of right of first refusal is the formal waiver that the board signs over right. before the- And uh, allows it to go through. And allows the, yeah. Yeah, the sale to go through. So, yeah. so on the, the, the side of, of disclosure, et cetera, and the process to actually purchase in a co-op in a condo, another, I would say a myth that's out there is that the condo is, oh, it's so easy and the board package process is, you know- much more truncated, et cetera, when in reality, the condo board package for a resale condo, not a new development, but in a resale condo, one that already has a board of managers in place, they have an application process as well. Now, it may not be as involved. You may not have as many Mm -hmm. reference letters as you will be required in a cooperative, but the process in and of itself, the actual disclosure of information, you still need to give tax returns. You still need to give, in most cases, full financial disclosure. There really are minor differences between the two. The benefits that you get in the condo in terms of the ease of transfer and the ease of use, almost always at a bare minimum, you're looking at 15 to 20% more on a price per square foot. On top of that, the condominium, you have additional closing costs. Because the government views the condominium as real property, you have both title insurance, and then if you get a, if you get financing, you have a mortgage recording tax, right. which you don't see in the co-op. So not only are you paying more on a price per square foot, you're also paying more on those extra closing costs. So subletting. Subletting's a big, big difference. In a condominium, you are paying a much higher price, but your rights as an owner are much broader. So that means that a condo appeals to international buyers, it appeals to an investor, not only an end user, but somebody that wants to rent the apartment out. In a cooperative, absolutely not. Co-ops will restrict, most, most, most co-ops will yeah. allow a period of anywhere between two to four to five years to after sublet you out own after for, you own yeah. for at least a year to two years. And some co-ops simply do not allow sublet. Or they just say, appeal to us, make a, you know. Oh, that's correct. Plead your case, and if it if they deem it a justifiable reason, so say somebody's relocated with their company for a year or two, and they're going to come back, you know, that most of them are reasonable when it comes to that, like a warranted need um, or a financial need to do it. Um, they'll they'll work with the the individual owners or the tenant shareholders. Other thing that we've uh, another main difference that we've seen, and it's it's sort of the window has changed. Uh, sorry, the delta between the two has changed a bit over uh, with all of the new development that's happened over the last twenty years, is the amenities. So all of these new developments that started happening in the early two thousands um, and still are happening, they brought on the 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 age of amenities. Um, a, oh, a gym and a virtual golf simulator and pet spa. A, pet spa 
on like all these swimming pools, uh, the swimming pools uh, rooftop decks, uh, rooftop terraces with outdoor grills Correct. and entertaining areas and such. I say that Delta has changed a bit between the co-ops and the condos because that has driven many co-ops to to install some of these amenities. Most of the buildings out there have like a lot of sort of fringe benefits or fringe amenities, such as like a pet spa, for instance. We'll pick on that's that actually, one. That's actually a really good amenity. It actually can be useful. It's very, you, very practical. You, especially if you have a big dog, um, right. but that you can't wash in your sink. But anyways, uh, I think the the luster of, of those amenity packages has sort of worn off a bit because mm -hmm. I think the first round of new developments in the early 2000s People all oh, ran and like it's the shiny new toy, like oh, and they have all this and that, and people bought and then they're like, they yeah, never I even don't really them. use any of these. Storage is the key. Yeah, storage, and then the second one is the gym. The gym, yeah, right. the storage in the gym. Yeah. So a lot of these pre-war co-ops that didn't have space uh, allocated to these amenities, they had space in the basement that they made it work. Same with rooftop spaces. I would say that's exactly. probably that's a close a close, close third. third. Yep, mm -hmm. um, is the rooftop space. And the nice thing about the newer condos is they they took that to the next level where they they have the elevator go straight to the rooftop, which is not something that you can get in a pre-war typically because, yeah, because it just wasn't made that way. Yeah, the way. bulkhead is isn't, you know, isn't there. It's on the top, uh, on the roof. Small difference where that could be like, oh, something you can get in a new development or something that was developed in the last 15, 20 years. Whereas you go to a pre-war building, you're not going to get that. Cooperatives are going to require a larger down payment than a condominium. Cooperatives like to see Homo homeowners equity, owners equity. So a co-op will on the low end require a 20% down payment in upwards of some co-ops. There are still some co-ops that are fully cash buildings. But anyway, on, on average, you're going to have between, let's say like 20 to 30% down payments. And then in certain areas of the marketplace, some of the more exclusive neighborhoods, 50% cash buildings, 50% down, they'll allow you to finance 50 or even like 65% financing, 30% financing, but pick a number. In a condominium, you can finance basically what it is that you can secure from the yeah, bank. Yeah, whatever you can. Yeah, they, at the end of the day, the condo doesn't really care. And that, that all sort of leads back to if you were to default default or foreclose on your apartment in a co-op, which would never happen because the co-op would just revoke the shares and take the apartment back and sell it. It would affect every apartment because you're owning shares of a co-op. If you get into financial trouble, it affects the co-op as a whole. Whereas a condominium, technically, if you were to foreclose on your apartment, it's not really going to affect the condominium as a whole. And what about monthly fees? So as we talked about, a co-op is we the preferred nomenclature. The terms that we use is uh, your monthly maintenance in a co-op. In a condo, you're broken. Those number that number is broken into two. You have your common charges that run the building itself, and then you pay each individual owner pays their own real estate tax bill. If you add the common charges and real estate taxes together, it, there's a wide range. There's no general rule that oh your maintenance is going to be in a co-op is going to be cheaper than the common charges and real estate tax taxes added together in a condominium. It really varies on the building. Of course, your common charges are always going to be lower than the maintenance. But once you add in the real estate taxes, depending on when the building was built, the time that it came to fruition in terms of assessing the value of that space by the city, that determines the real estate taxes. You add them together and they can be, one can be higher than the other. It just doesn't, there's no general rule as far as I've seen. Now you go to the older condos and the real estate taxes tend to be much 
much, much lower. They are much, much lower than the new condos. So the brand new condominiums that were developed over the last, let's just say over the last 20 years, right? And especially in the last five years, we'll see 2 to $3 a square foot just on the real estate taxes. Whereas you go to a pre-war condo, and I only know this because I did a deep dive on this with a buyer in a couple of years ago, looking at resale condo price per square foot on the real estate taxes. And at that time, I found condos, resale condos, uh, that were pricing under a dollar a square foot on just the real estate tax oh, portion. Wow, that's, yeah, that's low. So, so because on average maintenances, where when I started selling real estate back in '99, it was like eighty cents, eighty eighty cents to a dollar a square foot. Yeah. Now, what would you say? It's between two and three dollars a square foot. On yeah, I mean, maybe you can poke below two dollars a yeah. little bit yeah, if you're $2, in a two dollars two dollars a square foot yeah in a non-service building Correct. you're maybe a dollar fifty a square foot but and then we get into the discussion about square footage which we're not going to talk about but now i remember when we used to say in a full service co-op maybe you'd be between a dollar and a dollar fifty a mm -hmm. square foot yeah that's somebody changed. with a full that's... door doorman staff building mm -hmm. now yeah. it's like if you're under two to 250 a foot, you did well. That's correct. You know, yeah, so yeah. the differences between a con condo and co-op really boil down to one thing, which is the city deems condominiums as real property. There's a separate tax lot and block number, and so everybody gets their own real estate tax bill. So it's that that definition of real property, even though it's still a section a box in the sky in this building, it's like having a house outside the city because they deem it real property. You get uh, hit with your title insurance, as well as if you take a if you take financing, a mortgage recording tax. So those are the two bigger ones. Interestingly enough, the mansion tax exists on both, uh, which is also now scales up the higher price you go to. Mm -hmm. But co-op or condo, that's going to be the similarity: is you have your mansion tax. The title insurance and mortgage recording tax can easily equate to, yeah. you know, one yeah. and a half to two percent of the purchase, depending on how much you're financing. So one of the most important conversations, which we talked about at the beginning of this, is: do you go with a co-op or a condo? And we break it that we break that down into two pointed questions. One is, do you care whether you take ownership in your personal name or do you want to take ownership in an entity or a trust? Because sometimes people don't even think about that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I want to put this in a trust. Like yeah. I wouldn't take it in my primary, in, like my, yeah. in my personal name. OK, then a condo. Then do you ever want to have this as a piece, piece of your portfolio to rent out down the road? Right. And if the answer is yes, I, I'm going to use it for a few years, but as I reach retirement or whatever, I'm going to move to whatever, yeah, and I want to be able to, I want the kids to use it, or I want to be able to rent it out. I want free reign with it. Well, then the condominium is the answer. If it's no, I don't want to be a landlord in New York City. I don't mind taking it in my personal name. I'm going to use it. It's going to be my primary residence. I would never let a relative use it or a whatever. Then why not pay less? And get sure. more. Sure. Sure. I would buy a co-op or a condo from you any day. So As is always the case, there is a lot of other questions and follow-up questions to come to uh, uh, to discuss when it comes to a co-op versus a condo. There's also hybrids of the two and et cetera, et cetera. So even it, more important for the owner, for the buyer what? to work with a qualified real estate broker yeah. like John Gastaska or Jonathan Conlon. Either one of us, really. Either one of us. So listen, thank you very much for being a part of uh, Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast with John and Jonathan. As always, be healthy and safe. And most of all, remain in gratitude. Thanks we'll for see watching. You next time. See you next time.
Thanks for watching or listening to the Real Talk NYC Real Estate Podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, gestaskaconlinteam.com. Or you can find us on all social media with the handle at Team. If this show was helpful, entertaining, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.